Good morning. My name is Mallory, and I have the privilege of proclaiming good news to us this morning uh, as part of the table's preaching team. We are in the third week of Pentecost, a.k.a. Ordinary Time. And now the word ordinary uh, feels a bit interesting these days, kind of like Beetlejuice. Like, try not to say it at all. Definitely don't say it three times. Like in our current state, like, let's just not risk it, you know? So, in the midst of an ordinary time that does not feel ordinary, we proclaim the good news that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem in the presence of rejection, pain, and things as they've always been. Jesus doesn't look over or ignore our hurts. Instead, Jesus, a loving, tender God, is present to us and calls us towards freedom. In our ordinary, in our Samaria, Jesus is present in moving us towards complete restoration. Amen? Amen. As I read and meditated on the gospel passage this week, um, I feel like my whole faith journey was like present in the text. Um, I just remember like being 12 or 13, reading this passage for the first time and being like, dang, Jesus is kind of rude. Like, ooh, don't make that mad. <laughs> In my college years, I went for more of like, Jesus has a task, the holy task. So like, it's fine. Like, you just like set the course, Jesus. Maybe you have to like plow over a few people, but like, it's a holy good cause, so it's cool. It's cool, Jesus. <laughs> and I think both of those beliefs are probably ones that you can relate to, yeah? They're painful, though, aren't they? They're not enough. The belief that Jesus isn't that concerned with anything other than the task ahead, that sometimes the ends justify the means to accomplish good. I've sat under leaders, leaders that bought into that, and those were really painful seasons of my life. That belief of Jesus illustrates an angry God who requires I walk on eggshells where it births a distant deity who's uninterested in my mundane day-to-day. -day. I was working through naming those two bad news strands and Father Spencer was reminded of the famous Mark Driscoll quote, there's a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. Either get on the bus you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. This is a heartbreaking view of the mission and character of God. But these are the views of God that we've been handed down. But the good news today is that they are far from the God that we see in our scriptures today. Our gospel text opens with Jesus setting his eyes on Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is a religious and cultural hub. If big things are happening, they're most likely happening in Jerusalem. It's a place where rebellions have come to overrun and change things within the culture or where they've gone to be squashed. The disciples have grown up with the Jewish scriptures and stories being passed down that Jerusalem is where the promises of God are fulfilled for the people. The disciples know they've been building a movement and going towards Jerusalem is a big deal. Many of the prophets and minor prophets utilized Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem as the fullness of God's promise to his people. 
and in having the writings of the New Testament. We know what happens in Jerusalem. This moment of Jesus setting his eyes on Jerusalem is full of the promise of God to rescue and love his people. This phrase alone could send out some offering plates and we could be done. Jesus' eyes are set on Jerusalem. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) I find it interesting as Jesus uh, is doing this work, he's passing through Samaria. uh, And the Samarian and Jewish relationship was complicated. For Jesus to willingly go through Samaria is noteworthy. Uh, In fact, some people um, will teach that there's an, an opposite route to just bypass it altogether. All those tensions, all that ambiguity that's present in this relationship, we don't have to go there. We'll go go the long way, the scenic route, babe. This is great. (laughs) But this is part of the good news. In these places of desolation, chaos, confusion, unknowns, turmoils, angst, and ambiguity, Jesus purposely, intentionally goes there. He goes to Samaria and is present with his eyes already set on Jerusalem. Not only is Jesus present in those tensions, but he's actively expanding and shifting our paradigms in the middle of them. When the Samaritans didn't receive the disciples, James and John ask if they can call down fire from heaven, as one does. As someone who identifies as an Enneagram one, I'm familiar with this extreme, like, anger and angst. Like, justice. Yeah. Uh, Now, (laughs) it sounds spicy to call down fire from heaven. But when we think back on the persons paralleled in our lectionary text, Elijah called down fire against the prophets of Baal. While Elijah, with Elijah, the reckoning with opposition against God was settled in defining and using power dynamics. It's important not to get supersessionism here. Like, that's not the work that we're doing. This isn't Jesus negating Jewish history and customs. Jesus is Jewish. I think the writer of Luke is revealing further, though, how Jesus' intent is building on the Jewish custom. It's an expansion on how power works in the kingdom and an invitation to learn and grow into the ways of the realm of God. These scripture teachings aren't at odds against each other. We're just getting a clear picture of the character of the divine. We've got a picture of God revealed in the Jewish customs and Jesus gives us a microscope to further understand the inner workings of the coming of the kingdom. Instead of leveraging power against an opponent, Jesus gives another way. Instead of things as they've always been, Jesus opens our eyes to see and gives us ears to hear how the divine is present and at work. Jesus isn't ignoring or looking over the Samaritans. He's not an uninterested God. He's making a paradigm shift from power plays to the restoration of all things. He's rejected, but he set his eyes on Jerusalem. The same work happens when, they, when the others try to become disciples. They want to return to take care of their families, bury their dead, say their goodbyes. Again, this is what Elijah and Elisha did. The writer of Luke is purposely making these correlations. The writer is communicating that these people who want to be disciple, disciples, they know the ropes. 
They know how things have always been and what's customary. This isn't an angry God reworking our family systems theories. It's Jesus saying the old yokes aren't going to work here. Come and receive the work of Jerusalem, the work that leads to love and life, not just for this moment, but for eternity. Jesus is in the business of disrupting the paradigms that entangle us and keep us from the fullness of the realm of God. What Jesus offers leads to freedom while being present to the ordinary, the pain, the everyday. It's the good news of our Galatians text. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Jesus is shifting paradigms from either ors, things as they've always been, and giving us a new way of reckoning with reality while holding onto the hope of the kingdom of God. Today we proclaim the good news that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem. Jesus doesn't look over or ignore us. Jesus is present to us and calls us towards freedom, towards complete restoration. As I'm plummeting towards the ripe age of 33, <laughs> learning more and more about myself, <laughs> Um, undoing socializations and reworking paradigms. But there's one thing about me that has always been true. I'm angry. <laughs> At least that's what I thought I was. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely angry. Uh, but usually, it means I'm something else too. But anger works for me. I can leverage energy and action and shame about my anger to bring on reaction formation until I don't seem so angry. But I am angry. But I'm also overwhelmed. I thought for so long in reading this passage that Jesus looked away from the complicated and focused on the next thing that I started doing it to myself, too. I mean, it's an incredible coping strategy, isn't it? It works, especially in our culture. But in my life, my friends are getting diagnoses. Experiencing deep loss. Relationships are wrecking them. COVID is continuing to disrupt family dynamics. Just regular life moves towards healing or disrupting family dynamics. There's mass shootings while my friends are at work. There's police brutality in my city. I'm angry, yes. I am heartbroken. I need to know that when Jesus sets his eyes towards Jerusalem, he isn't turning away. Jesus turning his eyes towards Jerusalem is revealing that he is present to my pain. He's actively in my pain with his eyes set towards complete healing. 
life, redemption, justice, and the fullness of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In a world that looks away, that breaks eye contact because the present, being present to the suck is just too much. Jesus sets his eyes on the pain and he empowers me with his loving kindness to do the same. Church, for you to do the same. To be two and a half years into a pandemic with the world on fire, tensions rising, and be able to say, I am present to this madness and my eyes are set on Jerusalem. There's so much good news that we can extrapolate from this text. I'm still really intrigued by the inclusion of Samaria and what it can speak to us today. The relationship between the Jews and Samaritans is a bit ambiguous. There's been past beef between the Jewish community and the Samaritans. There's also been really beautiful moments recorded in history. The inhabitants of Samaria were part of some of the groups that were historically against rebuilding the temple. So there's really tender hurt present here for the Jewish people. There's also Samaritans that helped following the Pentateuch. There was disagreements among the, Jewish, the Jews and the Samaritans, but Samaritans were also under the same oppressive Roman rule. It's complicated. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> the ambiguity of the relationships, relationships happening in and among the people, the changing of political powers and oppressions, the unknowns swirling around the people in our current cultural climate and the climate of the Samaritan-Jewish relationship. I feel this historical sigh in the text. Is this all there is? Where is God? Where is the justice? Where are the answers? How long do we wait for all the sad things to come untrue? Do you feel that today, church? Because I do. Church, where are you waking up to the fact that business as usual and this is how it's always been doesn't cut it anymore? Over the last three years, we've deconstructed together the repercussions of white supremacy and mammon. But it seems like every day we're uncovering something new that we have to face. And I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm overwhelmed. When Jesus sets his eyes on Jerusalem, Jesus reminds his people, both Jewish and Gentile, that the promise of heaven and the realm of God is happening in our midst. Jewish teaching, culture, and scripture tells us that the hope of Jerusalem is a God who rescues, tends to, and cares for the goodness of his people. When Jesus sets his eyes on Jerusalem, we see the power and work of the cross in the forefront of Jesus' heart and mind as he tends to the ambiguity of our realities. K.J. Ramsey wrote, We forget that the places touched by death are the place, places Christ chose to go. Christ has already chosen to go to the places where we feel abandoned, angry, and afraid. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus goes to die. But Jerusalem is the place where we are given life. The two are actively present with one another. 
Church let the fact that Jesus dwells in the ambiguity, the tension, the hurt, the excitement, and the joy, and never abandons you. Be a balm to your weary soul today. Let the good news that in the midst of ambiguity, Jesus is present and at work, never leaving you to fend for yourself. In the midst of pain, Jesus empathizes and never looks away. In the midst of double binds, two terrible decisions, a rock in a hard place, Jesus says, I have a third way for you. In the midst of oppressive systems that are just the way it is around here, Jesus is giving new paradigms to withstand succumbing to the powers that be. In the midst of exhaustion and overwhelm, receive the freedom, joy, sustenance, and hope of the work of Jerusalem. Church, let that wash over you today, deep into your soul. The places you feel most alone, angry, and afraid is the very place Jesus sets his eyes towards. Friends, where do you desperately need and long to know that Jesus has set his face towards? Where do you feel abandoned, angry, and afraid? The place is both ordinary and overwhelming. The places where you know the hope of Jerusalem in your head, but the tension of Samaria lives, leaves your heart crushed. What areas of your life have you had to turn away from because it's so painful? You know you desperately need the loving kindness of a tender God who is present, who nurtures, who protects Where do you need to know in your bones that Jesus is with you so you can set your eyes towards the pain too? I encourage you to use the prayer of response to name and community where you need that reminder this morning. God is present and at work. It allows us to become present to to it ourselves, but allows our community to hold it and surround you in believing our good news together. I encourage you to take a minute when you receive Eucharist to be present to these things that are coming up for you right now, knowing that you received the presence and body of Christ this morning. The work of making Eucharist is both deeply known and deeply mysterious. And I invite you this morning to receive the knowledge of God with us and the mysticism of God advocating and contending for you beyond our own human understanding. The mystery can feel vague and unreachable. But today, this morning, let it be the healing balm your soul has desperately needed. Let it be the unspoken words your heart has longed to hear in the tender, holy depths of your heart. Let Christ be with you today with his eyes fixed on Jerusalem. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.